This part's always exciting to me because I never know what nonsense is going to come flowing out of my stupid head. <laughs> but let me be more... Podcast and radio, it's all about the preparation, Exactly. Right? Let me be more professional for a change. Because I have that within me. Hello again, friends, and welcome to episode 229. Doscientos Veinte That's 229 on Espanol. Uh, mi nombre es Golf Spiritual Leader. Y mi amigo, um, I guess Coach Tim would be, uh, could be Maestro Tim. He's a, 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 a teacher. And uh, welcome, everyone. Hello, Timmy. Hello. You know what I like about Spanish is is um, you can make connections. So el maestro, uh, it'd be sort of like teacher type yeah. of thing. Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, there's a name for it. I, always, I it's con. I always mispronounce it, but the, what it describes is there's something like 1,500 words in Spanish that are very similar to the words in English because both languages are based in Latin. So there's lots of words. That's why it's, uh, I think, easier. I-, I tried to learn French. I lived in Montreal. But I find Spanish a little bit easier because there's so many words that you would recognize. Professor, you know, um, and so forth. I did, I did love learning to uh, golf in Spanish. There's all kinds of golf terms that Mexicans use and, you know, th- different ways of swearing in Spanish. Exactly, exactly. You know, but some of it's very familiar. You ask, you know, how many yards is it? You say quantas yardas. So yardas is the word That's not for hard. no, exactly what I mean. Like how many yeah. is quantas? But uh, counting is fun. So yeah, episode two twenty nine, doscientos veinte y nueve, and they also you, know they, you just you, you reminded me of uh, when uh, Sergio Garcia was going through a particularly virulent period of regripping. Oh yes, yes. And he was playing at Beth Page Black. And as he was regripping, the fans were going, Onos, dos, tres. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, you know, I, I, it's funny. This is one of those things that drives me crazy. That it, They're called cognates. Cognates. Because they have the same Latin uh, roots. And uh, cool. the other thing I like is... Uh, because in French, there's a real nuance to the pronunciation, and I never figured it out. Even when I lived there, I always sound like an idiot. Oh, I was, yeah, I always felt so self-conscious that I was just slaughtering it. Exactly. But Spanish, because it sounds... we For some reason, English speakers, and my brother, who is a big fan of this show, would would agree. It, 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 we, you're, you're, I mean, my accent's terrible, but still, you can sound these words out a lot easier. Um, and you know a lot of you know the joke, of course, of a lot of English people just put an O on the end of something, and it sort of sounds sounds Spanish. Uh, anyways, <laughs> welcome everyone. There's Coach Tim. It's Golf Spiritual Leader, and another episode of uh, Swing Thoughts. And once again, we're pivoting. Is that what the kids call it? Uh, a guest was booked, uh, didn't happen. By the way, next uh, week, and we're recording a little later this week because uh, I had a little golf experience. But next week, Raymond Pryor. I just got his book. Golf Beneath the Surface, a different way of looking at the psychological game. Raymond, of course, on staff, like myself, with Mind Track. So that's uh, next week you'll hear that show. In the meantime, Tim and I are wearing our uh, Oscar Bravo stuff. 
And uh, I'm going to say we're looking pretty good in this. Yeah, exactly. I'd li- I've now, got- I, I played my first game yesterday, festooned in Oscar Bravo uh, polo. What color uh, is your shirt? Because <laughs> I have no idea. Is it blue? <laughs> uh, I will take a stab that the color is blue and white. Um, like you, I am color challenged. Oh, yeah. So I think the the body, if you will, is kind of grayish. But, of course, when Sandy gets home, she'll look at me and go, that's not gray. That's, you know. Yeah. Pews so you, you were festooned, something. which I, I I enjoy that word. You were festooned. You were in your sartorial splendor. So what did were people clamoring to find out who, what was Tim wearing? Um, uh, none of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, by the way, when you said that to me before the show, I was my first round not wearing a bucket hat, and I was like, I, I'm so dumb. Sometimes I'm like, why why did you have to wear a bucket hat before that, Tim? And you were referring to the fact that it wasn't. You know, a shitty day and wasn't pouring. Exactly. Yeah. So yesterday was the first day wearing the Oscar Bravo. And I'll tell you, as a performance polo, it was amazing. I couldn't feel any restriction, nothing. It was a warmish day. I was so comfortable. It just felt really good. Um, Yeah. So first experience um, displaying it to the members at blue springs and also wearing it and seeing how it performed and it performed admirably plus you know i i i, I was talking to timmy about this before the show how uh, i'm not a real big fan of the untucked golf shirt vibe that a lot of the younger guys i guess uh, you know i'm an old guy now and it just always seems a bit too casual for the golf course but, i'm with you yeah but these shirts and you brought this up the way they fit is that the you, you could wear them untucked and it looks pretty good. Like I, I was looking at it today, I'm thinking, you know, I, you know, just to go hit balls or something. And I, if I, I, I would, I could see myself doing that. They, you could wear these untucked and still look uh, somewhat uh, appropriate. Totally, totally appropriate. My goodness, um, yeah, they fit. They, they're just that right length, you know. Yes, like some shirts, it's like it looks good, but. Looks like you're wearing kind of like a dress or something or a, or a smock to go to art class in grade two. <laughs> yes. Um, now, I don't listen. I don't do. Uh, what do you do? Four or five hundred pushups a day? Because Tim's got the coach. Tim's got the guns out, right? You know, the sun's out, the guns out I, because my arms are so long, like giant, you know, monkey arms. Uh, I don't have the defined biceps of a Tim O'Connor, but uh, even with my skinny ish biceps, that looks pretty good. They're a little shorter than yeah. your average uh, polos. They sort of come up mid-bicep. Yeah, well, this, I think this is part of a, a trend in <laughs> is uh, upper body apparel. Fantastic. For, and, like, there's a t-shirt that's marketed heavily on social media that um, they, they, so they have extra room in the body, shall we say. So, so basically, so you don't show your gut. Ah. But they're tight around the bicep. So even if you don't have uh, guns as you coach Tim uh, guns. Yeah, man. Yeah, you still look like, whoa, that guy. Have you been working out, Bill? By, by the way, this is the longest that we've ever had a conversation about 
anything to do with clothing. By the way, who is OscarBravo.com is what we're talking about. These shirts are unbelievable. They are bespoke. They're one of a kind. We're wearing only one of 100 that were made. Uh, made in Italy. Find out more at who is OscarBravo.com. There's some music for you. Uh, now, before we move on, let's hear from our other important sponsor. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things, distance and forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the all-new Stealth 2 with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. Wait, did you say forgiveness like far or forgiveness like forgiveness? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm hearing far. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Exactly. Rory gets it. The all-new TaylorMade Stealth 2. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Okay, so it's been a few weeks now. I've had the, I got back uh, April 1st and uh, had a chance to go back to TaylorMade, uh, checked out, had my TaylorMade, had the Stealth, last year's Stealth, this year's Stealth, Stealth 2. And I really haven't had a chance in the five or six weeks since I've been home to play a lot of golf and use that driver. So the few times I went out, I'm, there, the weather here, most people live in, you know, no, it hasn't been great until the last week or so. So not a lot of chance to hit balls outside. By the way, you know the weather they've been having out west? It's just been the golden spring. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. You know, I mean, okay, Alberta's on fire, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I'm getting, what I'm getting to, Tim, and uh, STDs, is that I really hadn't given it a fair shot. And then about a week ago, I got a chance to get outside with both the driver, the three woods, and, and the, the hybrids that I have. And I'm going to tell you, I have put that Stealth 2 in the bag now. All righty. And uh, I don't know. Like, it's hard to tell if, is it more forgiving? I will say this. I have felt like some of my misses were in places that I could play them. Not so much like the last one wasn't, but I felt there, there and maybe it's psychological, but I do feel you get the same farness of the carbon from the stealth, original stealth. But I, I had a couple of misses in competition yesterday, just slight ones that I'm like, damn, that, that's, that's just in the left side of the fairway. It's not in the woods. So I can, <laughs> so I can tell you from really recent personal experience, give them a shot. They're designed with more carbon, which makes them more far giving. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. All right, yeah, I put my. Uh, yesterday was the first time I put it into play when, like I said earlier, I didn't have to wear a bucket hat and four layers, and you know, fight off the monsoon. Mm. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I really enjoyed it. I hit some uh, cracker drives yesterday, and uh, but I still feel like it's early part of the season. So I think like yourself, it's still kind of you know getting used to bringing, bringing this uh, new weapon into play. I'll tell you another thing. I have used the three-wood, the uh, Stealth 2 Plus Fairway, and um, I hit a few crackers with it. I, I, I've really... Uh, that one there's something in that three wood it i will say this it goes further in my mind than the three than than last year's three wood because i'm i hit one yesterday again in competition 
that uh, when I got up to my golfing ball, I was like, hmm, this is a bit further than I expected. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead. I just wanted to say that just the tweak they did in, in aesthetics, uh, I like the fact that the crown of these Stealth 2s is kind of like a clear, like it, it, it's... Um, it's not like it's matte. Dark. It's a bit shiny, yeah. Yeah, and I just love that. That There's just sort of... Um, I guess it just sort of resonates with the, the traditionalist mm-hmm. in me who tucks his shirt in and stuff. But, um, yeah, I just I love the look. And, and that translates into just feeling better standing over the ball. How was uh, was that uh, men's night yesterday at Blue Springs? It was. Yes. I have a couple of questions for you because I'm playing your golf course next week in a tournament. Oh. Uh, Monday, I think I'm going to be there for a TV. I was supposed to be in it. Okay. And? But uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, you probably heard uh, Ian Hutchison died. Yes, I did. Hear. And Ian, a golf writer who I've known for, it might be 30 years. Yeah. And um, so I've been on trips with him around the world. And so and he's just, it's, it's a tight community of golf writers. So the celebration of life is on Monday. I just think that's a really important place for me to be. Um, so, yeah, I was for the second year in a row, I've had to withdraw from the Club Link shootout, so, which is at Blue Springs and Greystone. Ian passed away uh, a couple of Sundays ago. Yep. And a couple of weird little connections. And, and I think it's a good thing to talk about because he was a great guy. So I was on a call with uh, Richard Zokel and one of his business partners. Great guy. And uh, we'd been we'd been talking about Ian Hutchison because Richard has had appeared on a bunch of Ian Hutchison podcasty type things he was doing weekly. Yep. And we had just been speaking about what a good guy he is. Later that day, the news breaks that Ian passes away. And I had written it down because, you know, I, I, I do the show, obviously, the Humble and Fred show from the same spot I do Swing Thoughts. And so sometimes if I'm in here, I'll write down something to make sure I remember to tell Fred. Because I knew vaguely that Fred knew or had some connection with Ian. Yeah. So I forgot during the show. Show's over on that Monday. I said, hey, Freddie, by the way, uh, you know, Ian Hudson, he, he, he died yesterday. And, and, and I could tell Fred was affected because w- what I didn't realize is that Fred and Ian went to college together. They were like oh really, really good friends. Like they went to the same in program and the whatever that radio and television program was at George Brown at, or something. No, at uh, Leacock or someplace, not Leacock. Oh, okay. Well, whatever it was, I'll get it wrong. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to let Fred know that because he had been like him and his wife and Ian were, were very, very good friends. And uh, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, so the celebration of life is at Woodington Lakes uh, Golf Club in Tottenham. Yeah, great golf course. Yeah, 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock on Monday the 15th. And, uh, yeah, Hutch was such a character. Um, He's a big, tall guy, and he he slouched over. So I remember um, I worked with this golf tournament uh, in which you would go to Wales to play, and it was quite something. And I remember one of the guys who referred to Hutch as Lurch. <laughs> you know, uh, he was a really crappy golfer, uh, but he didn't care. But he loved the game. My goodness. And he wouldn't write opinion pieces that often. But when he did, it was from the standpoint of someone who just really loves the game 
and he would argue very passionately and articulately for the things uh, that that he believed in. And um, he had a nice little niche there. He put out a newsletter every day called Golf News Now. And for most every person who works in the golf industry in Canada, that was required reading every morning. So uh, we're going to miss Hutch big time. Okay, well that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad it came up because uh, neither of us uh, had spoken about it before the show. And uh, so next, so I, what I was getting to. So I'm going to be there Monday, Greystone on Tuesday. Uh, how did you play last night? And how is the golf course? And have they done anything to the tenth hole to make it easier? <laughs> uh, I played very nicely. Early season golf, so I feel like I'm still kind of finding finding my swing. I did. It's funny. I just absolutely nutted a drive on on six, and so the stupid things that happened. So I could really feel my hips turning through the ball. I went, wow, that's amazing. So <laughs> on the seventh tee, oh, slice out of bounds. Oh, try that again. Slice out of oh, bounds. Oh, because you were so excited about how great your hips were moving. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah, what no that's what every champion other. thinks. How are my exactly. hips moving? Uh, just turned my hips. Uh, no different than any other golfer. Anyways, um, Blue Springs is in amazing shape uh, right now. Um, what you'll notice is the um, the tree trimming in certain areas. Like they've just done a uh, Todd Joel, the superintendent, and his crew have done an amazing job of trimming back uh, some trees that, you know, they're out competing the turf, you know, for water and sunlight and things like that. But also they've opened up sections of the course. And so I think what you'll find is that in uh, on certain holes, um, there's a different look and, and uh, a little bit gives you a little bit more leeway for leakage, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, well, but that's you know, what guys are going to love it. That's what guys are need, our age need, though. Some leeway for leakage. Um, okay, well, well I, I'm would, glad. Sorry, yeah, we have lots of trees that help. Okay, well, I'm glad that you're uh, that you had a nice time turning your hips. And um, <laughs> I want to get. I want to because we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Sam Harris and uh, the Waking Up app and uh, some of the stuff and how it applies to you know being more present in in golf. And then, of course, I, I got to talk about. Uh, Yesterday's first uh, competition uh, of the year, which uh, was awesome. But I did want to just, I written sound to something I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I uh, spent some time with uh, my buddy Ken Osborne, who's just an, an amazing guy. He spent many, many years as a high level executive coach. He also worked in the NHL as a, uh, he's a psychotherapist. And he worked a lot with uh, the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, I, we've had Ken on the show, and he's, of course, the guy, the scratch attitude guy. A lot of our listeners follow him on Twitter, and uh, he's written some good stuff. He writes, uh, his Twitter uh, is just filled with, you know, he's one of those guys, a big, big gratitude guy, and it's all about joy first and finding the joy in the game. But we were ta- I was asking him a little bit about, uh, I know, again, there's some Leaf fans listening. I asked a little bit about, you know, the psychology of, of, of a team or of a coach because a lot of Leaf fans, of course, are bemoaning the fact that, you know, the team just doesn't have, you know, the same, doesn't seem to have the same um, gravitas, gusto, gravitas that the uh, Florida Panthers do. 
And, you know, it reminded me a little bit of something about what Fitzsimmons says a lot about golfers who play to play, who play to not play bad versus yeah. playing to play great. Florida looks like they're just they're just going to run you over. And he said something interesting. He said because he worked with Scotty Bowman for a year. Wow. What a privilege. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, and he was telling me this story and he said in his experience of watching Bowman prepare and how Bowman had this belief and this vision and and it communicated to the players. And it wasn't just about X's and O's and coming up with strategy. It was this sort of vision that was communicated subtly to the players around him. And uh, and what, what Kent said was interesting. He said, you know, in his experience, the coach chokes first before the players do. Mm-hmm. And I thought, isn't that, you know, and it wasn't, nothing against Sheldon Keefe, but you can sort of see it. You know, he, he's making, a, he, it seems like he makes a lot of moves almost in a desperate fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, trying Marner with different players. But I just, just as a sort of a sidebar to our golf discussion, I thought that would be, I thought that was interesting. And people haven't, uh, Check Ken's stuff out, but uh, I thought that was very interesting. That the idea that a lot of golfers, we all, even recreational golfers, sometimes go out to the golf course hoping bad things don't happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we've said this before, but playing so that bad things don't happen. Yeah, well, I totally get where uh, Kent is coming from in terms of the the coach chokes first, and the players can tell. Not from the things that the coach perhaps says, but just from body language and, you know, the rolling of the eyes or the head drooping, like, oh, my gosh, they can just tell stuff like that. And they have the coach is so influential uh, to the whole team. And if you see the coach or you infer that the coach is, as you say, choking, Wow, that just seeps in and, and everyone's everyone's shoulders start to rise and start to grip the, the sticks a little too tightly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when, when I was talking to Ken about this, I said it makes so much sense because, you know, if you've watched Ted Lasso, he knows nothing about soccer. He knows nothing about football. But yeah. over three seasons, his team has gotten better because he just has this infectious belief system, a vision yep. of how things can be. And I don't think that I don't know much about Sheldon Keith. I mean, he's a, obviously he was a good coach. He got hired by the Leafs. He's a rookie. And I don't see him so much drooping his shoulders, but he has this look of tension to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Said, having said all that, the Leafs finally won a game. But, yeah. uh, but it, it could be, you know, like the, the look on his face, it could be construed as tension. Uh, it could or be intensity. Focused. Yeah. 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 We don't we, we don't know. But um Darn it was there was something that that you mentioned there that just made me made me think Ted Lasso um, season three haven't watched the latest well, episode okay yeah thank you so yeah it was the Ted Lasso thing and the importance of vision yeah so it's quite obvious that in the make believe universe of Ted Lasso that the most important thing for him is well I speculate here is that we're good people yes. we're good to each other and we grow as a team and whatnot and if we win bonus. I really say if they win, it's a total bonus to, you know, in in that sort of Ted Lasso mindset, imaginary as it is. But that's a that is an excellent mindset to have in, I think, in all things that what what grounds you, what's sort of the beacon that you're going at? If it's all about accomplishment and results and, you know, I look good or whatnot. Then you know. I think you know. You're, you're it's a, well. It's an, empty, it's an empty vessel that can be easily knocked off its 
you know, Perfect. path. Yeah, I'm glad we maintain this nautical metaphor. I love it. I, by the way, I'm going to say it again. An empty vessel that gets knocked off his path. Yes, that was worth this repeating. Is, this this is why I'm golf spiritual leader. I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to come back to that. Uh, the idea, because... Uh, well, I'm a writer. I steal good lines. Take it. I, I'm going to come back to that uh, in the final segment here when I talk about yesterday's uh, qualifier. Because I had uh, such a great experience... With, and, and I played with two high-level players who had completely different outcomes. But the day was such a great day, even though um, the scores were so widely different in this mm. threesome of golfers. But let's uh, take a second here and talk a little bit about, you said you wanted to bring up some of the stuff that you've uh, been grooving on in the Sam Harris world. Yeah, well, um, thank you for... I don't know, being on me about not that, but you'd mentioned the Sam Harris app a few times. And I was aware of him from his, from his podcast. Um, but I've never been much of a guided meditation guy. We've talked about it, but I just heard some stuff and I went, okay, I'm in. And one of the things that I really, that really resonates with me, um, with Harris that I've heard from people like Tara Brock, um, Dan Harris, people who are sort of in that world of, of the mindfulness, whatnot, is this idea of, of uh, dualism, that there's a right and there's a wrong subject, object. And I love the way Harris has, he's done so much work. You could so obvious, you could just tell in the way the guy speaks that he's done so much work in his, in his own development, but, uh, but also he's a towering intellectual. But the idea that there really is no subject object and and that we're part of everything and, you know, part of, you know, I'm a speck, but I'm also in the cosmos. I mean, it's like out there thinking for sure for maybe a lot of people listening on a podcast like this, but um, it's such a healthy way to look at the world. And I'll just yesterday I was based on something I listened to a couple of days ago about this guy talking about going through the world as if he had no head. Yeah. I was going through, I'll just finish this by saying, I've been walking around my, walking my dog yesterday in the golf course. It's almost like I'm just looking at the golf course and, and what's going on through eyes. And there's no judgment of me. There's no evaluation of anything. It's just taking it in. Well, I was just going to jump way, in. That way, I'm just less reactive to I, things. Well, I, I was going to hand it back to you, but I was going to jump in and just, you know, because this guy that Sam Harris refers to is a very famous philosopher slash meditation guy. I can't remember his name. Did you mention it? Hardy. I think it's Hardy. And he was one of the first people to come up with the idea that, that, it, that you can turn attention back on itself. And I don't know that this is that. It's not that advanced for the people listening to this podcast. I mean, if they're listening to this podcast, this is why they listen. The, the idea of a non-duality. We all think that we're these, we, most people imagine they're this thing behind their eyes looking out in the world, almost like, you know, men in black. And it's like this alien guy yeah. navigating this behind the head. But, you know, his point is, and it, it comes up constantly. I'm like, you know, I'm a bit down the road in the waking up app. I'm going on about a half a year with it and it comes up all the time. It's a very difficult thing to grasp, but I love the fact that you've already given it a shot, which is, you know, when you're out in the world, what it does allow you to do is being in a, in a, and this is where it comes to golf 
in a mode of non-judgmental as you know non-jud- being non-judgmental thank you howard yeah, I felt like I just about had a stroke there. Being I'm not uh, judging like, you on your ability to say <laughs> it did. Honestly, for a second there, I was looking out the window. It was sunny. I'm thinking, is this the moment I'm having a stroke? This is what I'll remember. Non-judgmental. <laughs> I sort of wound down like a phonograph. <laughs> so there you are on the golf field, just yep. taking in the field, as, you know, Bagger Vance would say. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just what I noticed yesterday and is that uh, I hit some good shots and hit some squirrely ones as well. But just the lack of reactivity. It was just, oh, it was like, you know, to quote GSL, that just happened mm. or whatever. And it's, just, and it's just way easier to, shall we say, hit, you know, I've hit a bad shot, if you will, or um, heck, my first drive yesterday was the proverbial dick out that we were talking about. Did you? So we go our, you just dribbled one past the front tees, the forward tees, did you? No, just to the back of the forward tees. Wow. I was like, it was like, um, it was men's night I, uh, on Thursday. So, you know, I, I, I do work and stuff. So I got there far later than I wanted to. It didn't hit any balls. Get up there and I feel okay. A couple practice swings. Okay, let her rip. And, yeah, cold topped it about, you know, 60 yards. But then, um, but I didn't have any reaction. So uh, am I cured of uh, being a total idiot moron sometimes? No, but um, I am going to make a connection that one of my intentions yesterday was to sort of have this be out there intention, be out in the world rather than being, you know, kind of behind my eyes, judging, evaluating, getting caught in story is being out in the world, taking in, you know, the beauty of the day. I mean, yesterday was the first golf day in which I felt the sun out and mm-hmm. wearing shorts and, you know, that. So I was totally drinking in all of that, but just being out there seeing things, experiencing and sensing them. And that's a very different thing than, oh, my God, I just topped one. What the hell did I do there? And it does go back to why I, t- I said to you that in, in a guided meditation, he's introducing these concepts that you would know, you know, you might read about them or whatever, but having somebody... And there's several exercises that he does over the course oh, yeah. of the, the ones I've been at, you know, and been, again, it's been over six and a half, seven months of doing this every day. And it comes up. I do his daily meditation every day. And, cool. and there's exercise. He, and it's, hard, it's, it's not easy to, I still struggle sometimes. I'm like, I'd like to get him on and say, Sam, is this what you mean when you said to turn it? But, but <laughs> being able to separate yourself emotionally from the events that happened around you, and the idea of having him, like his meditation today was, the you know, he, he, the, the focus was one thing. But he said in the last minute, he said, I just want you to think about somebody you're going to be around today. So I'm thinking both of my daughters are, he, one of them is in the house today and my other daughter's coming. He said, I want you to think about them and just understand that you never know, how, you have a finite number of encounters with these people. Oh, yeah. And... To, to really be there and present for them because you just never know how many of those encounters you have. And the, and the last thing he said was, these are the people in your life. These are the people who make up the, this is your group. So we all sometimes can be a bit dissatisfied or a bit, 
annoyed by people in our lives. But, you know, and again, that's why I love his meditations, because, you know, I, I, I could be staring at, you know, this, the ceiling for 40 minutes and never come up with that as a concept, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what I love about what you just um, articulated there was it it resonates with something that I read. Actually, I think the book is called Waking Up, but it's, you know, a different author. But she spoke about, um, yeah, being present for the people you're with rather than being distracted by your thoughts of things I have to do, the, the to-do list, the, the emails or texts I haven't answered. She She puts it this way. She says, when that person that you love or or you know you have a relationship with goes out the door that might be the last time mm-hmm. so so offer a little you know here's a Ken Osborne thing perhaps offer some gratitude that this person is in your life and the things that they've brought to you and it just to me thinking like that brings more presence to to being like here now as Ram Dass would say well and and Kent <clears throat> I spent some time in the visualization chamber that's what he calls his office. I love it. I spent some time with him in the, in the VC. Uh, basically, just it was, a, it was such a great visit. It was like just him and I for two hours on a Sunday morning, guru to guru. Oh, nice. Uh, double guru. Double guru, double guru power. And I just Thank sat you. there. Thank you, Mark Bolin, a.k.a. T-Rex. <laughs> and I just, uh, I just uh, sat there soaking it all in. And, and his whole thing has been, it's all about kind of what we were just saying, like, take care of your heart when it comes to golf first, because if it's all about how good could you be, man, there's, you know, there's there. We don't have that much time, you know, and, and I got a call from a buddy of mine yesterday. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> what I mean. We, we, we don't have much time. I got a call from a buddy of mine yesterday who was kind of concerned because he saw my score worried that i might be upset and i was like no the, the opposite i got so much out of that round i learned so much I and mean, I, I had such a great day yeah it was annoying at times uh because it's golf and i'm competitive but my my drive home from belleville was one of just going over all the great things that i that happened to me and also just what did i learn and and what can i take to the next event and i had a great call with zokel and my other, my new, my new golf buddy. It's ridiculous. I still think it's ridiculous that I get these conversations with this dude. Like, I know quite often. No, that is so amazing. Um, so, have you got like the every twice a week you get a paycheck in a deposit in your account? Kidding. Who? Who? Me from Zokal or him or from me Zokal. or me paying him? No, I'll tell you, man. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah, been yeah. great with me. Uh, no, yeah, we're, we talk some mind track stuff because I'm going to help him out with his podcast. But you know what you just reminded me of is that so so much of this is um, it's almost like you preload yourself for a game of golf. You know, we've talked about intention before, but it's having this this it, we could connect it to to vision uh, overview, a belief system, if you will. That what really counts is not necessarily what go the, the number that goes down. Yes, we're all competitive. And the reason people are listening to this show and they're avid golfers is because they're competitive as hell and they want to shoot low scores. I get that. But it's if it's balanced out with you know an appreciation for what you're able to do and and the gratitude you can hold, then it it it, it really makes such a difference. And I just got twigged on a couple of weeks ago. 
to uh, an amazing little tidbit. It was by um, this guy called uh, Akira the Dawn, you know, one of these DJ type guys. And he, he took a, uh, a speech from Kurt Vonnegut and he put it to some really interesting sort of, I guess you would call it house music or whatever. And the, the line is, so Vonnegut talks about his, uh, his uncle Alex and uh, his uncle Alex, every once in a while they'd be out, let's say it's a, a lovely summer day and you're, they're drinking lemonade and talking. He would go and Alex would go, hey, just stop a sec. He says, I just want you to get, if this isn't nice, I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's great. And he put, so this guy, Akira the Dawn put, so just if you want to look at that on your Shopify or whatever it is, Apple Music. Shopify? Uh, no, it's the other one. You mean Spotify. with S. I'm sorry. sorry? Uh, you mean Spotify, Grandpa. Thank you. Yeah. See? <laughs> Can you put that on your Shopify podcast? <laughs> oh, fuck. That was great. I'm, I was like, I, I think he means Can Spotify. Hang on. Let me get the old Shopify. Let me see if I can search. Uh, I can't do it right now. Is that 78 RPM? Do you want me to do it right now? Is that what you're getting at? No, I wasn't. But oh, okay. Find it, that'd be swell. What's the guy's name? Akira the Dawn, and the title of the song is If This Isn't Nice, I Don't Know What It Is. Well, this is uh, how quickly uh, this stuff happens. Uh, let me see. Akira the Dawn. This would so be, great, uh, be a great thing to listen to on the way to the golf course, I'll tell you, or on your pods as you're, as you're warming up. If this isn't nice, I don't know what is. Music, please. Please, 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 please. Can you hear that, son? Oh, yeah. There you go. That's how fast. See, I just called it right up on my Shopify. Akira. Nice. Yeah, this isn't house music, but it's uh, it's a little bit of a little rap going on there. I like it. My tribute my brother, kid brother, who was a graduate of Harvard. So getting back to what we were talking about uh, before we got into a... Uh, Maybe not what's that, sir? About so many I thought beings. we could just listen to well, that. Oh, you want to listen to it? Well, yeah, why not? They were happy. And so we would be sitting under an apple tree, for instance, on a July afternoon drinking lemonade and, you know, talking about this and that and Practically buzzy like honeybees. And Uncle Alex would stop everything and say, Wait a minute, stop. If this isn't nice, I don't know what is. If this isn't nice, I don't know what is. Well, there you go. Isn't that, that sweet? I don't know what is. Yes, it's a, a beautiful sentiment. And, uh, I just think it's cool that you've referenced Akira the Dawn. Where did you hear about this? Uh, from a buddy of mine. do that again and again. But you can't get any more into the details because this buddy is like, he's in the witness protection program. Or <laughs> he's a buddy of mine, Howard. That's all I can say about it. No, I would just say this buddy of mine has done a ton of work in the uh, in the spiritual space, oh, okay. if you all right. will. All right. Well, let me know what. Uh, Let's keep him anonymous then if he's in the spiritual space. We don't want to... Uh, anyhow, so uh, I don't know where we were. That's what I was getting at. Where were we before we got to this tangent? Because well, I wanted just, to bring it back I, we to... We talking about things oh, around... Oh, right. 
you know, around awareness. Right. Uh, and being grateful, yes. Being out there as opposed to, you know, in that space of of judgment, evaluation, comparison. Yes. and. And uh, the instant I was talking about being in the uh, the um, the chamber or the visualization chamber, and that that's where uh, you know Ken's done a lot of his work as a as a as I was mentioning as a psychotherapist and working with uh, you know hockey teams and big executives is you know becoming and 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 where I think we've the three of us went intersect is how you know. Over the course of eight seasons, you know, that's why it was interesting to me that my buddy was like, you know, are you okay? It wasn't like, I, and I'm like, of course I'm okay. How could I not be okay? And not that he was that concerned, but it wasn't like, uh, there were it's years about the, score about the score, but there were years where I would have been, you know, devastated, disappointed, bummed out. But now I've got such a different, I'm clearer about what I want from the experience. And so my success in the experience doesn't necessarily have to do with the score I shot, which I know you're like, what score was it, Howard? No, I don't but I, care. No, but, but I'm saying, pe- so I'm saying people, up of you. but people listening might be like, okay, what was the score? And you're going to be disappointed that it wasn't that bad. Um, but let, go ahead and finish. And I'm going to tell you about the, the, the two guys I played with. I learned so much about. Uh, it was such a great experience watching them play because go ahead, but just go ahead and finish what you were going to say. Well, no, I was just thinking that what you just described embodies, articulates, if you will, something that I've heard Fred Shoemaker talk about. So you talk about, you know, a tour pro, you know, coming off the course, 68, great, good day, good person, et cetera. But couldn't sh- coming off the golf course and shooting 76 be even more valuable in terms of like, wow, I learned so much about myself today. I know more about how I respond or react in the world than I did before. Exactly. And and that's the that's the core piece. I remember when my son, Sean, he ascended very quickly in that minor hockey world, you know, A, double A, triple A, et cetera. And I used to always say to him, hey, pal. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to feel bad. But if you can just sort of live with the emotion for a bit. But the core thing is, what did you learn? Take that forward. Sure. Um, and uh, like my buddy said a bunch of times, you know, you never, you, you never really you don't really learn anything on a great day on the golf course. 100%. I mean, you know, you, you know, you, you sort of just it sort of confirms all the work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I was uh, for people for some context, I was playing in the uh, a GAO event, senior match play qualifier at a golf course at me and Fitzsimmons, Fitzsimmons and I had qualified at uh, last fall for the better ball, the Ontario better ball. And so I was familiar with the golf course. And uh, feeling pretty good, uh, even though I haven't played a lot of golf in the last few weeks. The last week or so started to hit the ball pretty good, like A minus B plus. Lots of reps. Played uh, nine holes at Glen Karen on Tuesday, and uh, I only had time for nine, so I practiced, played nine, and practiced some more. And in that nine holes, I hit seven fairways, nine greens. Two putted every one of them shot even par. It was it was it was almost like golf was stupidly easy for about two hours. Mm. You know that kind of day where you're like, yeah. I literally, and I say this not to be braggadocious. I'm just putting some context. Don't really remember miss hitting anything. Like it was pretty yeah. gross. Um, These are rare, but yeah, enjoy them. But uh, then I go and play a practice round Wednesday. Same thing, hitting the ball good. Then come yesterday, you know. 
it's a tournament and that was exciting and and uh i will tell you there was uh where i was in the draw there was a young guys playing before us and then the senior guys played so we had a it was because it's match play for both men the young guys and the old guys so i was in the first group of seniors and uh, why that's significant is because you know i was certainly slated with in the group of the better players in fact the two guys i was with are two of the best seniors all right yeah and one guy uh shot 69 and it was pretty cool watching him do that in a qualifier and the other guy shot for him a million <laughs> you know for that guy i won't mention his name because but but it, he shot 83 and i gotta tell you of the two guys i played with this guy that shot 69 was a super beauty guy but what impressed me more was the guy who shot 83 and i'll tell you why because the entire round this guy probably hasn't shot wouldn't shoot 83 more than once every few years like Mm. really really good player i'll tell you who he is after and uh but i have never seen a guy be more encouraging more upbeat more just taking it in stride more just encouraging right like and not fake like right to the end you know, he was joking at it with us at one point in the back night. He goes, guys, I don't even think I've made three pars yet today. Like, it was just kind of like, yeah. But but what really impressed me was the way he was being encouraging to the guy that shot 69. Because it was hard not to notice how good he was playing. And yeah. to me. So that was one big takeaway. Like, I got a really good upfront seat to seeing what somebody who I've known for a long time is a very high level player. Hey, I'd like to please. John, I'll take questions right away, Mr. O'Connor. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Glassman. Yes. I think that what you just described with that fellow, the way he responded was exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. He gets it. It, it, He's a guy. He, he gets it that it's not about, it's not all about shooting the lowest score and and that there's far more to it. Um, Yeah. I, I I don't need to add much on that. No, but but he was who gets it. He he totally got it. And, uh, and I, as I was reflecting on the round after, like I just was kept thinking about how this guy never stopped being okay with just how shitty he was playing. And I know a lot of people listening. Any three is a good score, not for this guy. No, totally. That is not a good score for this guy. This guy is closer to the guy that shot sixty nine. What did I shoot? I shot seventy nine, and uh, I missed qualifying by three. In fact, I think I'm the second alternate. So not a horrible score. I didn't want to set it up like I shot 100, but mm-hmm. it was disappointing in so much that I wanted to qualify and didn't. Yeah. But I learned, but, but I would tell you this, you know, I've played a lot of tournament golf and uh, yeah, I was excited in the first couple holes. I, you know, it took me a while to settle down into my golf swing, but where the nerves for me or where my, my, you know, I kept hitting it. I hit it pretty good. So I had the two days before, for the last couple of days before the tournament, I've been hitting it pretty good, as I explained. And I kept, I would say, in a, as far as tournament golf goes, it's one of my best ball striking rounds, even though the score didn't reflect it. I just hit it good. I didn't putt very well. I had one three putt from about 70 feet, so I don't count that. I had a couple of you know mid-range 30-ish footers that I three putted. Should have made... Should not have three putted those. And I had three or four 
really nice up and down opportunities where I hit really good pitch chip, whatever you want to call them. One was a couple of long ones across the green to four ish, four and a half feet, missed them all. Mm. But I sort of was kind of in this mode of like, well, everything's fine. I'll just keep plugging away. I've been in this situation before and you never know what scores. One of the things about qualifiers I learned a long time ago and I would pass on is you just never can tell what scores will qualify because, you know, everyone thinks it's so outside of the guy that shot 69, the next scores I think were 75, 75, 76. So I wasn't far off what some of the better players shot. But I did want to explain something very exciting that happened. It was the funniest thing. So I have two quick things. So I shoot five over on the front nine. I three putt three times in the first eight holes. I'm five over after eight, par nine. And but I'm hitting it good. Get up on ten. It's a funky little dog leg right. Hit hybrid off the tee. I know it. You're playing tri- trillium. trillium, right? Yeah, yeah I know it. Well, Great little yeah, hole. And I just crush a hybrid. Like I'm, I hit a 240 and I've got 145 to the flag, 138 to cover the bunker. It's a sort of a shot over a marsh. And I hit it, hit nine iron, downwind. And when I hit it, I knew I hit it well, but I didn't know if it was going to cover the bunker. So I'm like, you know, stay in the air or whatever I say, whatever you say, you know, stay up. And I can't see one the, the sixty. The guy shot sixty nine. Great guy. His name is uh, Steve. Steve sees it. He says, a "Great shot." And I go, "Just barely," or something like that. And uh, I sink it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I go from five over to three over like that in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And I and I, I will tell you this. Uh, I didn't Did really you see it roll in. Didn't, I didn't see any of it. Oh, because of the bunker in front. Bunkers in front, and from my angle, he saw it hit the green. He says, "I think it's in." I said, "I don't know." I said, "I'm sure it's. I, I might be close because I knew once it cleared the bunker, I, I it would have a chance." I hit. I hit it really, really well. So I get up there and I took it out of the hole. It's only the said last time I did it was the uh, Ontario Mid Am. Oh, really? At Burlington. It was in a practice round like years ago. So I don't, it's, it doesn't happen very often. So I tried to say to myself, okay, that's cool. You know, I didn't get excited. Didn't I? We sort of fist bumped, but not excessively so. Are you with me so far? Because the next part is, is the big takeaway for you people. Uh, I'm listening. Shall we uh, be? So here's like, the thing. I made, Unlike that TaylorMade segment a few weeks ago. I don't remember. What you're talking about? You have to tell yeah, me. After. Just, just keep going, please. <laughs> All right, the Taylor May thing. I do remember now. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments. Have you done the Taylor May thing yet? Yes, Tim, I have. But see, now it's even fucking funnier because I don't even remember what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I get up on the next hole. It's a par five. I roast my drive, which is one of my best drives of the day. I just killed it. It's a par five of 505. I have 220 left. And this is where I, another big learning, and I talked about this with his uncle, is that I made an assessment. There was trouble left, nothing to the right, and I'm just made eagle. And now I'm, you know, I've got some momentum and I'm downwind. So I hit my hybrid again. And I, and I said to myself, okay, miss it to the right. There's lots of room right. And I did. I hit a nice shot, missed it to the right. But then I get up there and I realize I've made a huge mistake because I've got about a 35 yard shot 
over all these moguls and the the pin is at the front of the green and then it's the narrowest part of the green oh yeah Oof. and so i two chip it i i pitch it short pitch it just onto the fringe now i putt for par miss it make bogey the takeaway for me was you know as as we said him and i were talking i didn't need to make another eagle I didn't need to even make a birdie. I just needed to have a putt at birdie. I, it, it just and it was a blue. It blew my mind that that I made a great assessment, or so I thought. I executed it perfectly. It was just the wrong shot. And this is how I'm going to wrap this up. In that moment, in anyone's round, especially if you get a little bit of a boost, a birdie, or a couple pars in a row, it, it, sometimes like I, I look back at where I was. All I needed to do was hit seven iron. And I would have had a 30 or 40 yard pitch with the green in front of me. I would have got it on the green, whatever, had a putt for birdie, made par and moved on. Yep. But I didn't. It, and it, not that it got me mad, but it took the air out of my, it took, it took whatever momentum I just got and I made four bogeys in a row. Now, yeah. so the, the moral of the story is you can make a good assessment and execute it nicely, but is it the right assessment in that moment? And in that moment, for me, it wasn't. You know, I just had an interesting thought. Yeah, a um, couple things come to mind. One is, uh, when we make a mistake, sometimes I'm wondering if it's not so much that, you know, our cortisol levels got high, fight or flight, all that stuff. I'm wondering if what's happening is that we're distracted and we're trying to make sense of what happened yes. back there. And so that might've been for you. What was happening is that you're, you know, unconsciously, even you were going, okay, what happened there? What, why did I make, you know, I, you know, I, I just make Eagle and, and then this happened. So anyway, that's just a thought on that. I think you're but, right, but okay, cool. Well, one of the things that I remember Zokal saying years and years ago to me, um, around what our friend Paul Doolin would call state management. And Zokel said that it's a matter when you're playing competitive golf, especially of keeping in the equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And he said, you don't get too high when it goes good and you'll get too low when it goes bad. If you can maintain some kind of like neutralness, if you will, um, that just helps you uh, I, with situations like that. You make Eagle, maybe you come on the tee and go, Wow, that was exciting. I'm vibrating, whatever. What do, what do I need to do? Come back to earth, if you will. Well, and that's the thing, Timmy, though, as I explained when I was t telling you about it, I, I didn't, we didn't high five and I never made a whoop. I just went and got the ball. And like when these guys got to the green, because I was in a cart, they were walking. These guys came up to the green. We fist bumped. Like I said, yeah. I took, I did take my time on the tee, but for a couple holes, subconsciously, I wasn't stewing about it. Like, you know, I made a bogey there which was a, a was ridiculous then i made another next hole is tough hole made a bogey on that hole and then i had two holes in a row where i chipped it to four feet and missed the putt yeah so i was still playing pretty nicely and even then i parred the last four holes to shoot 79 and i hit it great but in that moment what i learned was another learned i reminded myself that you know Maybe because I'd made Eagle, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, now I'm going to make a birdie here, where really I could have just started making pars. If I'd parred in from there, which isn't difficult for me to do, I would have qualified. I could have even bogeyed one hole from there and qualified. What I couldn't do is bogey four holes in a row and qualify. Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah. not saying that affected me, but somewhere, as you pointed out, 
somewhere in the subconscious. I was still trying to make sense of that puzzle that I completely. And again, that's why I I said I felt pretty good about the day because, you know, I didn't qualify, which sort of is a drag because you only get one chance. Right. But I learned so much again, watching those two guys play, being in that group, sort of being in that, you know, sort of whatever in that qualifier, I was definitely one of the better players. And it was kind of, mm-hmm. it was kind of a cool day. And again, you know, I haven't hit, I haven't made a two and a par four in a long time. It was kind of neat. Well, what I think is really interesting to me here is that um, like, there's no, there's no real va- uh, need in, in placing value on something that, yeah, it would have been great to qualify. It sure would. But I would argue that the, that insight that you got around assessment and what you need to do, particularly after a, an, you know an exciting moment. However, it, this this however you're processing it, there's so much value in that yeah. because that's a great learning experience. And one of the things that we often don't recognize, let's say when we're feeling kind of um, sad and you know dragging our ass around and just not why do I feel kind of crappy well it's probably because there's something going on that you're grappling with some you know uh, it's some a situation that's kind of thorny uh, a, a tough decision to make uh, something you said and you feel like you need to clean it up a bit well we're in those low moments because our brain is saying okay so there's something we need to attend to here. And that takes some paying attention and slowing down and gaining perspective. We're, when we're in a high place, we're not doing that. It's all, you know, zippity doo if you will. <laughs> no, so, exactly. So that's part of why it's so important to, you know, when we talk about acceptance, you know, in eight years, we've talked about it ad infinitum, is accepting that, the shot could come off the way I want. Maybe it doesn't, but whatever state I'm in, I accept it because it means I'm working through something. I love it, man. Well, I could, and you're right. I, I, uh, you know, maybe a few years ago I'd have been, you know, beating up the inside of your car. Yeah, well, yeah, I would have gone to that. I mean, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I just, when I, I'm not saying I haven't thought about it and I was thinking about, you know, I'm going to go, I, I mean, and again, to be gentler with myself, you know, I've hit a lot of golf balls, but to, you know, to be fair, I haven't really worked. I worked a lot on my short game and that's why I said I had, I had several really nice pitches, chips, if that, that would have been and like my, the very first hole I hit it to another like four and a half foot feet foot putt would have been nice to make that because it, you know, but I didn't. And so what I'm getting at is I haven't worked on my putting and, you know, and so I got to be fair. Like I had to be honest. Yeah. That's definitely something that I need to attend to because I have not done it. Mm -hmm. So I got kind of the result in terms of my putting. Yeah. Sort of the, the effort put, not effort, but you know, you're right. The time put in, you hadn't invested enough to get uh, expect a big return. Hadn't it had, so I wasn't comfortable over those putts. Yeah, uh, my yeah. distance control was decent, but that's the, the weird. The, the thing I've practiced the most this spring is chipping and pitching because I can go do it with the dog every day. So it was great. Um, and that's great to take forward. Absolutely. So there was lots of good stuff. But again, I, my my last thing I'll say about it is the most impressive thing wasn't the guy shooting sixty nine. It really wasn't. I mean, it's cool and everything, but it wasn't like I've seen it. It was the guy who shot 83 and just was like, couldn't have, was just such a good dude. 
Just such yeah, a good absolutely. dude about it. Um, all right. Well, there you go. Can we do another hour on our own? Yes, we can. Did we get to everything that we were going to tee up so. today? I think so, man. Sam Harris, uh, AFGO at the... Uh, <laughs> we got some stuff we didn't even know we we're going to get to. The passing of Qualifier. The Ian Hutchison, RIP. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's funny just... It's, it's funny to watch how the live stuff keeps playing out. The latest with Phil puts out a tweet yes. saying that a couple of uh, the live guys didn't qualify for the PGA, but there was uh, Hosler at 128 you know, higher than these other guys who didn't get in. And so he deleted the tweet. And I mean, on and on and on. My God. You know, at some point, they're going to work it all out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've started to, you know, I, they, if there is going to be an official world golf ranking, and I'm going back on something I've said, you know, they, they really need to find an accommodation because to not have Dustin Johnson and some of the other players, Cam Smith, not ranked. Yeah, but Cam Smith especially. He left the PGA oh, Tour as the number 100%. two or three player in the world. I don't know where he ranks now, but they got to figure something out, and I think they will. Um, yeah, although I'll just, I, I just will argue that uh, no-cut 54-hole events, uh, the, in terms of a criteria. Oh, I know. Uh, you know. Comparison to even corn fairy stuff, mm, I'm not sure. No, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm I've, I've I've made that argument that they shouldn't get ranking points because the criterion, yep. you know, is clearly stated. But that being said, there's got to they've got to find a way to to put some points, even a modicum of points to that to that. Yeah, tour. exactly. So I know we're trying to wrap up here, but I read a really good column. In uh, I think it's the Golf Digest with Cam Young on the cover. Maybe it's Scheffler. Who knows? But Jerry Tardy, uh, he was the editor-in-chief for years of Golf Digest. So a guy who has an incredible perspective to draw on. And he wrote a really thoughtful column about, you know what? First off, the big mistake that Liv made was appointing Greg Norman as commissioner. I mean, this guy is just so egocentric, you know, sun shines out of his orifice. Um, and the, anyways, but what he was saying that folks, you know, if we didn't react to each other so bitterly, if it didn't become the Hatfield and the McCoys, might have been able to work something out. But it just got elevated to this point of like kids in the schoolyard that it became kind of ridiculous. So I'm hoping that eventually cooler heads will prevail and and something will happen. Like the analogy you used before about the uh, the WHL way back when, and yeah. the NHL, and they finally merged. And you even make the same uh, back in the I think the early '60s. There was the American Football League and the NFL. Sure. Now that's why you have NFC, AFC. The only difference is, and again, I'm arguing against myself because I I said <laughs> the reason that they couldn't merge is because. In the NHL analogy, they were playing three periods at three periods. You know, it was the same game. You know, and I've said this to Freddie. I said, you know, because we've been talking about Liv recently. I said, you know, it's like like if the WHA started a league with only two periods or three periods of 15 minutes each and, you know, music playing all the time. Uh, Anyways, we got to go. Thank you. That's That's not the song. Hang on. Here we go. Thank you very much to our uh, sponsors, who is OscarBravo.com, and of course, TaylorMade. 
Check out TaylorMadeGolf.ca. O'Connor Golf, uh, how do we get a hold of you again? <laughs> Eight years. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I was going to let you do it. And on theoconnor.substack.com. Uh, I know it, but I wanted you to say it, my friend. Okay, and of course, check out. Check out. Check out the. Okay. I'm going to edit this part out. Check out the uh, Humble and Fred show. We'll see you all next week. Don't see too many faces.